The way that we've trained leadership has gone through several different changes. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We have a few amazing, amazing guests that are going to help us work through that history and get you in touch with how leadership training has been done right here in the grand jurisdiction of Kansas. So stick with us. We have an amazing episode lined up for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and stoked to have with us two past grandmasters of Kansas this evening, Most Worshipful Rick Record, Most Worshipful Tracy Bloom, who's also the acting Grand Secretary. Brothers, I want to turn it over to you and get a more proper introduction of you, uh, just kind of your background in Freemasonry and who you are. Uh, most Worshipful Record, if we could start with you. Oh, good evening, Alex, and uh, Most Worshipful Brother Tracy. Good to be here. Yeah, I started my Masonic journey back in uh, 1988, uh, 87, uh, getting into uh, Masonry up in Pennsylvania. I was actually in the military at the time, stationed at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. And uh, from one commonwealth to another, I wanted to join the lodge that my father was in. So that's what I did. So I've been a member of Collegeville Lodge, number 310, ever since. And, uh, of course, with the military, I got to travel the world. And after Uncle Sam decided to drop me off at Fort Leavenworth for the third time, I just decided to stay here. And, uh, of course, I joined Hancock Lodge, number 311, on Fort Leavenworth. And... Since I was permanent party by then, I could go through uh, the, the chairs there. It was master in 2003. Hard to believe uh, 10 years later, I was in the Grand East. And uh, so, but and served in a lot of positions between those two points. So right Fantastic. now I'm just uh, serving on the uh, Kansas Masonic Foundation Board of Trustees. We get to meet tomorrow. And, uh, and of course, uh, always try to attend as many Grand Lodge events and go to as many lodges as I can. So that's me. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so Thank much you so for much. being here. We really appreciate it. Most Wishful Bloom, how about yourself? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Clay Center, Kansas, which is north central Kansas. Uh, then um, I moved to Salina years later and um, through an acquaintance at work. Um, took a tour of the building there and uh, just became fascinated with it, asked a magical question, and uh, uh, he uh, happily presented me with a petition. Uh, the, the odd thing about that was that <clears throat> when, so these guys did a little research on me, right? And uh, they reached out to a relative of mine. And uh, as I went up to the lodge to take my third degree, my uncle was there. And I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I come to see, get your third degree. And I said, are you a Mason? He said, oh, yeah, I've been a Mason for a long time. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, probably me growing up as a teenager in a small town USA, um, probably wouldn't ask me to join either. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, in that process that I found out I had several uncles that were Masons. Uh, I, you know, I had the privilege of, raising my father. Um, he, he came in after me and, uh, that was quite an experience and, uh, you know, one that I cherish and will never forget. So, yep. So that's it. Uh, so I went, I actually joined the lodge in, in 1994 and, uh, have been absolutely active in it, either the lodge or grand lodge ever since then. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for being here tonight. We like to start these off with a little bit of an icebreaker just to get to know you guys on a little deeper level before we dive into the topic at hand for this evening. So within what you said there, we, we usually ask if you've got some family history in Masonry. And we, we heard that trend. So I'm curious with you, 
with some of that family history, even some that you didn't know about, was any of that what really turned you on or made you aware of Freemasonry? Or what was it that made you want to join yourself? Who, who are we starting with? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I knew that my dad and my grandfather were both Masons. And uh, my dad tried to get me in the DMLA for many years, but I, I didn't know what he did. I, he, I didn't know when he went for meetings. I didn't know what other organizations. I found out he was a Shriner later on and uh, Scottish Rite and all that good stuff. He never mentioned anything about it. And uh, so I, I figured if he wasn't excited about it, why should I be? So off I went to college and then into the military. And then when I finally ended up back in the U.S. and stationed, like I said, at Fort Belvoir in Virginia, right down the street from where uh, George Washington had his place at Mount Vernon, um, I traveled home one weekend and uh, next. And my parents had moved. They moved to a country estate out in uh, out past Norristown, Pennsylvania, near Valley Forge, and. And my dad had associated with his neighbor who was ended up being a member of a lodge, a country lodge out there called in Collegeville. And when I got home on leave and I'm talking with him and next thing you know, he, he, he wouldn't stop talking about it. This is a guy that never talked about masonry my entire time going, growing up. And now it was, you know, it's everything about how great these guys are. And it was like going to going home and because he knew a lot of these guys from work acquaintances that he didn't know that they were masons. And. Oh my gosh, he just had such a, it was so exciting. I said, well, if, if that's enough to excite my dad, who's not really excitable and stuff like that, then I want, I want part of that. So I petitioned that lodge and they had to go through a special dispensation because I was stationed in Virginia at the time. But they went through all that and I did all my degree work up there and, and just a little bit of embellishment, sorry. Uh, my dad was was junior warden at the time. And their tradition was that the junior warden would preside of the first degree, the senior warden, the second, the master, the, the third degree. And my dad had just learned the first degree when he gave me the first degree as the master of the lodge. A month later, I proved proficiency and came up to get my second degree. He was in the East. And when I came up to get my third degree, there he was in the East again. We're talking about a guy that learned the master's part on all three degrees within three months and did it flawlessly. I was amazed. That's really that's cool. I mean, obviously he had some motivation to get there, but that's a lot of work. Nonetheless, that's really, really cool. Most worshipful bloom. How about yourself? Yeah. So, um, completely different path for me when I, I didn't know anything about mainstream until I asked about it, this friend of mine that I work with. And uh, he took me over there, was intrigued by it. I, I didn't learn that my family was involved in it as heavily as they were until uh, until the night I took my third degree. I found out that I had uh, relatives that belonged to the lodge. Not even belonged to the lodge. They were officers of the lodge, right? And so um, <clears throat> it was kind of astonishing to me. And, 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 and it was a, a revelation also because, and I think Rick would probably agree with me that uh, that that greatest generation, those guys, they were tight-lipped about it. They did not talk about it whatsoever, um, which is, you know, I think unfortunate, right? I mean, um, but any, anyway, that's that's that was their modus operandi, and and we see that all the time. We hear that from a lot of people that you know, oh my my grandfather, he never talked about it. So uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic that um, that masonry had that kind of influence on them that they they knew that they needed members, but <laughs> they weren't going to solicit anybody for membership. So um, so anyway, yeah, that was um, that's kind of the story, and 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 yeah. So I had, um, gosh, I don't know, four or five of my uncles were. Uh, past masters of the lodge. Uh, one of them was the secretary of the lodge. <laughs> no, no clue. Uh, the other thing, um, several years later, uh, most worshipful uh, Bob Tomlinson had asked me to be uh, assistant grand tiler for him, and and I I said I'd do it. He called me up one night and he says, "Hey, could you uh, could you present emblems at uh, Clay Center Lodge for me? Because I can't make it." I said, "Sure, I'll do that." So. When I went there to do that, and 
I was just a young, aspiring Grand Lodge officer who didn't know what the heck he was doing. Um, the thing that impressed me about that was when I went in there to do that, um, the longtime mayor of Clay Center was a, was, was a member. Uh, my school teachers was, were members. Oh, my wow. scoutmaster was a member. Uh, so all these influential people that were in the community, right, uh, they were all members. And I was just, I was kind of a, <laughs> in awe when I went in there, you know, because I had no idea. No idea. So, yeah, it's funny, funny the path that we take in, in on our Masonic journey. So that is that's that's a really awesome story so both of you guys have led impressive masonic careers you've gone through the officer roles of your lodge the officer roles of grand lodge the crazy part about you is neither of you have gotten your fix yet you've still taken on big official roles with reichert and the kmf bloom you're still in the grand lodge as grand secretary with all the craziness, the good, the bad, everything you guys have dealt with all the years, what is it that keeps you around in Masonry? Well, I can tell you it's it's guys like Tracy and um, it's it's amazing. Like just in this last uh, leadership conference that we had, the Guild, uh, it's just, it's the same group of guys. Uh, I've seen them for years and years and it's just great company. I mean, we just, uh, it is a small little family. It's all on its own. Those are the things that keep me coming back. I just, I enjoy masonry. And if I'm, if I'm not engaged in something Masonic, I, I get, I start getting really ooky and I start looking at my watch and wondering what day it is. Cause I, I know I gotta be, it's gotta be a lodge meeting somewhere. <laughs> it's gotta be a meeting going on. So, uh, it just, it draws me back. I want to learn. I like your, you know, these formats for the, for Kansas Lodge of Research and Masonic, uh, you know, the, this one, the light. And, uh, you know, these all these things that, uh, you know, we brothers gather together and talk about the craft is, is what draws me. I love it. Fantastic. Bloom, what keeps you around? Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments from Rick exactly. I mean, it's uh, to be, not to be too corny, right? It's all about the Masonic experience, right? And, um, thing is you get to choose what that Masonic experience is yeah it's, you can choose to either have a good one or a bad one it's your choice and uh, it's like Rick said you know we get in our we get in our little groups you know when we when we go to lodge we, we get probably in a small little group and and you know we feed off of each other and we learn uh, you know it's the same way <clears throat> same way with Grand Lodge officers uh, when we're around each other we're feeding off each other learning all the time um, and then and then even uh, bigger than that you know when we go to like other jurisdictions it's like I'm in Iowa right now right attending their annual meeting it's just a it's the same same group of folks that I'm around right but it's 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 just every one of them is a different Masonic experience every one of those is a learning Masonic experience I always take something away from whether I'm at Lodge or I'm at Grand Lodge or Grand Lodge of Iowa or the Conference of Grand Masters. Oh, my gosh, I, and Rick knows this well too, that, that you, know, you go to those things, you learn so much from there uh, that we have to, you know, and, and our duty, right, to come back and share that with the Grand Lodge of Kansas. Uh, and so that's, you know, some of, the, some of the things that have developed over the last 10, 15, 20 years have been because of those Masonic experiences that we've attended. So. Fantastic. Well, I am really stoked to hear a little bit more about your guys' journey as we kind of progress through talking about leadership and how that's been an aspect throughout the years. But before we get into the meat and potatoes this evening, I do got to give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters uh, who keep us ex uh, expanding and bringing you more great content all the time. So if you like what we do here, you can jump over to the website, storkalite.com support, and you can support us through Patreon. We have some awesome levels there where you can get some great perks to go along with that, including the exclusive Patreon uh, Historicalite lapel pin. And even if you want to go to the ambassador level, we got a breast jewel. It's pretty awesome. So appreciate all you guys do. We've been around since 2016, focused on Masonic history, and we want to keep doing that. So if you like what you see here, jump over to the website and help us keep growing. 
Brothers, I am stoked to jump into this. I want to say hello real quick to everyone watching. We've got a few on the YouTube and we've got a bunch over on Facebook. I'm seeing Brother Justin Staley saying hello. Uh, Brother Maddox is back. Thank you so much. Uh, Brother Young here uh, saying hello, brothers. Much love. Blessings. Keep up the great work. Leadership is huge. Keep leading. 100%. There's a lot of that to do. And tonight we're going to talk about how that has kind of progressed within Kansas because we just, as Most Worshipful Riker uh, hinted at, we just had an event here called the Guild Meeting. And it was focused on leadership, but it's actually kind of morphed out of other developments in Kansas. So I guess where I want to start is when you guys were coming up into Masonry, just new Masons, what was the leadership aspect back then? How was it? And what kind of training, if any, was there going on? Loaded, Loaded quick. <laughs> well, no, I was just, since Tracy went through the Grand East before I did, I'm going to yield to him to go first. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, so, uh, so um, it was very interesting dynamic. Uh, Rick and, and Rick was in on this too, right? So um, when I was coming up through the line, I was, you know, as I was progressing, I was starting to get a little bit worried about the time commitment. And uh, one evening we had a, uh, we had a meeting and uh, Roy Sullivan was the deputy grand master. Kent Needham was the uh, grand senior warden and I was grand junior warden. And uh, Roy held us three, the three of us back, and he says, "Hey, look, guys," he says, "I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about the time commitment because he had a full time job. Kent was managing a bank or two, uh, and and I had a full time job, and uh, you know, so so Roy actually started what's called the Council on Planning, which is planning for your year, and um, but the thought." process behind that was back then a grandmaster would develop a program for his year and promote that throughout the year but when he was done it was like it was done and um and we the three of us decided and i think it might have been don newman because he was between rick and i um so we decided that we didn't want to develop any more new programs we wanted to take the programs that were working and expound on them, right? Make them better. And, uh, um, and also to limit the time commitment that we had, because uh, our time was limited, right? So, so we kind of entered into that phase, which was probably the whole start of even the change to the, to the leadership academy or, or second, actually warden school back then it was called uh, so, so that was kind of the start of that. And, uh, once we kind of got our feet underneath us, then, uh, we, we looked at that, um, warden school, wardens and secretary school and decided, or we thought we could improve on it. And, uh, I, I think we did, I don't know that the, you know, uh, some, some will probably argue that. Right. Um, but then we, um, uh, uh, when we decided to kick that off, we decided to change the name from the Warden School to the Leadership Academy. And I think the first, the first year we did that, I think was was Don was in charge of it, so he would have been the Deputy Grand Master. And we actually held it at the State Capitol Building in the House Chamber. I think it was. We did that two years in a row. Wow! So that was that was a big transition for us right there. So from uh, from an attendance aspect, how did the Warden School differ from what we knew of the Leadership Academy in format? Yeah, so the Warden School was was really more focused on, okay, this is how you run a meeting. This is how you prepare a budget. This is how you put things on a calendar. Um, you know, pretty basic things that I guess in that change, we thought that uh, the brothers should already have that well in hand, right? Uh, we're, we're not talking rocket science there, right? We're just talking um, managing a meeting. 
And so, but we thought we could expand on that, enhance that teaching with some leadership skills in the presentations that were that were uh, prepared. Fantastic. Most, uh, most worshipful record, what were some of uh, your experiences with uh, Leadership Academy and kind of what you thought about the program? Don't forget to share the Oh, I'll show, I'll show my historical record here. Yeah, when I, when I came through, when I was uh, going through the chairs at Hancock Lodge, which was a great experience, great lodge, still is, uh, they gave me the opportunity to go to Warden's, Warden School uh, even when I was a junior warden, and that was in the year 2000. 2000. And uh, I still have the book today. It was a nice binder. And uh, interestingly enough, it, it was a two-day program. And it was chock full of all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was like, as uh, Worshipful Tracy said, uh, you know, they got back to the basics, B2B, which is kind of interesting since that's what the Guild was, was uh, aiming at. But it... Uh, what was great was even if I even for those who had leadership skills already, what it really did was it focused you into all to the all the mechanics that you had to think about when operating a lodge as a master, because you think about leadership of a lodge. It's not just it's not like Lions or Kiwanis or something where you you basically preside over the meetings, you hand out certificates or do whatever your mission is. When you're master of the lodge, that is a that is a holistic thing. You've got a budget. You've got people, you may have people on a payroll. So now you got employees, you got a building that you got to take care of. You have proficiency, you have, uh, you know, you got to train your officers the way and uh, the calendar, uh, all these aspects of, of lodge leadership that don't necessarily aren't part of a day to day management or leadership role. So uh, it doesn't matter what your background is. Wardens, the Warden Senior Warden School is what it was actually called. It was called uh, Grand Lodge of Kansas Senior Wardens Class of 2000. And uh, even f and for me, it was great because it, it showed me all the other pieces of the, of the puzzle that I really didn't have a good appreciation for. And it, uh, you just can't walk in off the street and be master of a lodge, even with great leadership skills. So the other thing that was very interesting was that this school ran for two solid days. It was a two-day commitment to go to warden school, and when I went through in 2000, it was it was full and it was run by guys that you may may know: Mark Nelson, uh, Bob Tomlinson, Jeff Souder. Uh, who else was in there? Glenn Core, uh, and uh, Alan Hurlbert. I mean, just uh, you know, a lot of great names. There's these are past grandmasters that came in to help uh, teach the course of getting back back to the basics. But the other interesting thing is, is that the guest speakers during the day and for the dinner in the evening were names that you'd also recognize, like Davis, Robert Davis, and uh, and and uh, Tresner, uh, Jim Tresner, and of course they're not only are they great authors, but they were dynamic speakers. So man, what a what a capstone thing that was to have those guys. And uh, so that was in 2000. You fast forward a little bit, uh, you know, getting close to 10 years later. And like Tracy was saying, we were having these conversations even when I came in as uh, Roy Sullivan's uh, grand senior deacon appointment. And, um, and then Halloran came along and he kind of spiced things up a little bit. So during the conversations that we had was you know, we had looked around in the last couple of warden schools and they were very poorly attended where they were full chock full of people before for some reason the message wasn't getting out about how valuable this this coursework was and uh, i mean it's a two-day commitment uh, you had to travel there's a lot of, and it, there was some cost to it uh, for overnight accommodations and food and everything so it was so we we couldn't figure out what the story was why weren't people uh, you know what's what's the take rate so one of the things we decided was that calling it a senior warden school had two problems. One, it limited it to a target audience of senior wardens getting ready for their year. The other problem was is that if you're senior warden and this is halfway through the senior warden's year, you're already too late to be planning for things in the East. You need to be doing that a whole lot earlier. Why? Because it gives you a chance if you know what's coming, you can observe and start learning those ropes long before you get to the, to the, to the East. 
So as you're working your way through the lodge, you've got your jobs in the lodge, but you're also keeping the eye on the next job up. So instead of calling it warden school or lead, uh, you know, the, you know, all the officer school, uh, the idea was to call it leadership academy. And I'm not sure who turned that phrase. I know it wasn't me, but I'm grateful for it because it really, it really laid out what it is we were trying to do. And the other big splash to get things going was, as Brother Tracy was saying, we're going to hold it right across the street from the Grand Lodge building at the Capitol. So, I mean, that was an amazing place to have it because the breakout sessions were either in the Senate or the House. You know, we, I think there was some stuff going on in the judges' chambers. And then the next thing you know, we get together for lunch in the middle of all this. And, oh, what a fantastic place it was. And uh, as as the deputy grandmaster at the time, the first one was in 2012. It was uh, uh, October the 6th of 2012. And I remember it specifically because I missed it. <laughs> it was my, it was, this was the greatest thing that ever happened. And my mother passed away just a couple weeks before that, and I had to miss it. So traditionally, the deputy grandmaster runs the leadership academy because they're going to be these he's training the, the at least if they're senior wardens they would be masters while he's in a, a grandmaster so it was kind of anticlimactic for me but i was glad the second year we held it in the capitol building again because then i got to get the feel for it all and it was it was fabulous you know we could sit there at one of the representatives desks and bang your shoe on the table and say i disagree no it was a uh, but you know when it's just a grand place to have it. And you think, you know, well, this is ours. This is Kansas. This is all part of Kansas. We had a problem, though. It was the best problem to have. We couldn't fit in there on year three. It was becoming such a popular thing that we could not fit in the Capitol in year three. Wow. wow. Yeah, the numbers were just getting astounding. So we uh, we went, uh, I believe we went to the Plaza Hotel in Topeka. We uh Again, I mentioned my calorie. He swung some sort of unbelievable deal. I'm not going to ask the details. It was one of those things where we got a really good deal there. And uh, we started holding it there. Of course, they, they did us up very nicely there. It was a great forum. Uh, I'm not crazy about hotels uh, as a forum, but this was kind of nice. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's sort of off in its own location in the back. And you could have the banquets down in the hotel area with the waterfall and the bar and all that. But um, we it turned out we had, a, I think at one point at the high watermark, we had over 400 people for Leadership Academy. Wow. Wow. But we were also bringing in great names, too. I mean, the keynote speakers were people like uh, Chris Hodap. You know him? He wrote the uh, Dummies. He wrote the Dummies Guide because the Idiots Guide was written by another guy that we had. And there was Brent Morris. And we had actually launched one of his books at leadership academy which was a pretty sweet deal it was a kansas version of the uh, idiot's guide to freemasonry was uh and the whole course cliff porter of course uh you know we we've had other other guests there too and then those were a big draws particularly if we could keep them for dinner and let them speak over dinner that was pretty nice but uh, uh that was the whole idea was we were trying to get we were trying to get into the heads of and get attendees to come who were much earlier in the line in the lodge and have them come successive years so that the, the first year, if they didn't get what they needed, they get it at a breakout at the next session and so forth. And uh, over the years, we kind of got away from the basic stuff. And I'm not sure why we did that. I guess we were, we were afraid that um, we were giving them the same stuff over and over again, which as it turns out, I think, uh, we really needed to get back to the basics because uh, just like the old warden school, all those topics are important for a new person that they're afraid to ask. And once they, they've, no matter where their experience level is, they need all these topics. At least they need to, to hear about them as mundane as they are. They still need to get them. So I'm, um, I'm glad to uh, see that uh, at least in name, we're, we're calling it back to the basics, but that's, that's uh, my recollection of the history. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, I was sitting there kind of thinking back and um, Cliff Porter, I think was the first one I attended. And I, I remember that session very well. That was, he, he was a great speaker. Be 400 in one session for Leadership Academy. That That's really impressive. Really impressive. 
So most wishful bloom, thinking back at the switch from the warden school into the leadership academy and, and seeing that grow uh, is most wishful record, you know, talked about, we, we kind of hit that pinnacle point and then started to see a little bit of shift. Um, where do you think that it has gone to bring us to the point that we needed to get back to the basics as we did this year? Well, I guess I'm not 100% sure, I guess. Uh, you know, we try to put on a quality program every year um, and have good Masonic speakers uh, about leadership. And uh, so, but that over the years has just kind of waned a little bit. I'm not sure why. And that's why we thought we'd try the back to the basics, right? Um, go back and review the history of Kansas Masonry, the Constitution and bylaws, um, sideline etiquette, um, and, and all the topics that we talked about were just back to the basic kind of stuff, right? Because I think every now and then you have to do that, right? You have to remind yourself of the basics of what you're doing and, and it's, it's it's a life thing right it's not just a masonic thing i've done it many times myself you know want to see myself straying off the on on another path i shouldn't be on you know i kind of rein myself back in and, and go back to that the basics or the core values that one should have or a, a the character of a lodge let's say uh should have those val core values and uh uh, so I think that was kind of the premise of where we were going with this uh, this particular uh, this session that we had last uh, was a week a week ago two weeks ago I don't remember what it was now um, so um, I I can also say you know we did something a little bit different after this uh, we also sent out a survey if you attended you got the you got the you got an email with a link to the survey uh, it was a completely blind survey so we didn't ask any phone numbers. We didn't ask any member numbers. We didn't ask for any names. We just wanted some pure, good feedback. And, uh, and so I think we, I think we got it. We've, we've looked at, uh, we've looked at some of the comments. I think everybody was fairly, um, honest. And I think we got some, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say brutally honest, but, uh, certainly, um, very candid feedback on what, we could do to improve. So, you know, we're going to take that data, we're going to look at it and uh, build something out for next year that um, hopefully is a little bit better. So not that, not that this time was bad because we're always looking to improve. For sure. You know, it, it makes me question, well, I guess kind of two aspects. It, first of all, makes me think back uh, because obviously what we're doing here is trying to get leadership within our lodges. And thinking back when I was going through the line in my lodge, I was so tunnel visioned. And you know, maybe some of this falls on mentorship to a degree. A lot of it falls on me for just not seeing the big picture. But I was extremely tunnel visioned in each position. And I know traditionally, you know, the, the whole thing is you should be proficient and know that position before you're ever elected to it. In my experience, it was here's the position, then you're cramming to get there. And that was good until the day I sat in the, in not the grandies, but the, the East of my lodge and everyone's looking at me like, you got it. And I'm like, God, what, what do I, what do I do? <laughs> and you know, at that point I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do up here. And as you know, my feeling of, I am not prepared to be in leadership. And it was, it was kind of this uh, very frightening aspect for me that progressively got better through the year. And then about November, I felt I've got this. And then of course you're out of there. So, <laughs> right. which is a, a, an amazing aspect of, you know, trying to, to get this leadership ingrained and, and back to the lodges. So it makes me think with, with having that many people and obviously then the fluctuations, do you guys, in your opinion, see this as going great for the individuals? But also, was it getting back to the lodges in the way that we had hoped to begin with? Um, I guess I guess the the jury's still out on that. We don't know if it's getting back to the lodges like it should be. We hope that it does. Um, I can tell you from some of the feedback that um, the the back the basic stuff was uh, very much appreciated. 
and uh, you know we're uh, obviously we're going to use that information expand on it for the next leadership academy or guild two or or whatever it's going to be called yeah so that that's a great point i think uh that's a good uh point to kind of talk about what was different about this year because it wasn't called the leadership academy uh, it actually took on that new name of the guild meeting and as we've kind of addressed where that came from and the purpose of getting back to the basics where did this name the guild come from as a transition from leadership academy that we've always known yeah so um so every year the deputy grandmasters <coughs> excuse me every year the deputy grandmasters in charge of um uh, the warden school leadership academy the guild whatever it is uh and so he kind of drives that train and uh, doug wilkinson wanted to um he felt the need i guess to bring everybody back to the basics and uh he, he did a little research on on names and stuff like that and he came up with what he wanted to call it the guild so uh you know we we build everything around that so that's fantastic. You know, so I didn't get a whole lot of, well, you know, again, it was probably me tunnel vision. I didn't get a whole lot of the, the behind the scenes of the structure. I was asked to do the history and I was like, okay, perfect. Start the day off that way. And I'd heard a couple of the other topics and I didn't really think too much until about halfway through the day. It really hit me of, holy crap. Each one of these are really flowing into one of another, like perfectly. And I'd imagine that was probably the plan, but it was going a little more perfect than I thought it should have almost like the topics were really complimenting one another throughout the day. Yeah, that was, that was by design from, uh, Doug, uh, he designed it that way and he picked the topics, right. And it was, you know, each one built on, on the next one. And, and that's exactly what he wanted to do. And, um, I, I do see a comment in the chat about, uh, the, the name change is a little confusing, and uh, <clears throat> okay, okay, I get that. Uh, you know, we we put that out there that uh, you know that there was going to be called something different this year, um, but it's still the Warden School Leadership Academy, the Guild, whatever you want to call it, happens mid September every year. So um, I guess there should be some probably some basic expectations there that uh, that's that's you know unless we you know, unless we just move that completely different place in the calendar year. So, but I don't see that happening. So, so yeah, and, you know, will that name change back next year? I don't know. I don't know that, you know, the, the next person in charge of that will be Derek Hockett. And um, I know he's, he's gotten some feedback from some, some folks about it. Um, and so he's looking at that. So, Fantastic. And thank you for the comment from our good friends over there at the Old Fashioned Masonic Podcast. Uh, they also threw another one up here saying that uh, we did like it when it was called the Warden School. We'll have to see if that comes back. How old is Old Fashioned Masonic Podcast? <laughs> we'll see if they throw up another, uh, another comment there. How old is that Old Fashioned Masonic Podcast? We'll see. <laughs> Uh, the reason I mention it is because, I mean, uh, you know, we changed, it was, of course, in 2012. So you must have gone through the warden school prior to 2012. I have a suggestion for those that come behind uh, Doug Wilkinson, and that is uh, we have some amazing venues in Kansas, some of which have our plaque right on the side of the building. Uh, uh, Manhattan, I can think of that one. Uh, there's some other places like in uh, uh you know, not only the school, but downtown, the, that uh, science center. And then, you know, I, I can just imagine there's a lot of places that we could be doing this that would be pretty spectacular to hold a meeting in, uh, depending on the time of the year. So um, that would be another draw, I would think. It's not only having a great school or a, a forum for leadership, but also to do it in a place that is just something you can talk about that if you missed it. <laughs> You know, if you, when you go back to Lodge and talk about it, not only did you miss a great school, but you also missed a great place. They treated us like like gold there. So, uh, for sure, for sure. recommendation. Yeah, Rick, Rick, that's a great that's a great comment too because, um, you know, we kind of get we kind of get focused on 
you know, where we're, we're going to have something and, and we base that around, you know, how many is going to be there? Can the venue feed everybody? Can, uh, is uh, hotel accommodations uh, close and reasonable? And, um, you know, so, so we, we try to take all that into, uh, into account when we start figuring up, you know, the logistics of, of, of meetings like this. And uh, you're right, there's some great place to discovery center in Manhattan. That'd be a super place to have a leadership academy or the guild or whatever, or warden school, whatever it is. Uh, that, that's a pretty cool place. Um, so, but when there's many others too, I mean, I mean, there's no reason, there's no reason we couldn't go back to the state capitol building either. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll I can give you a little Masonic secret here. Um, how much that cost us to have that meeting at the state capitol building was, I think it was $150. We had to pay for a security guard all day. That was it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the, the commander at arms or whatever it was. We had to yeah, pay yeah. Sergeant, Sergeant at arms. Sergeant at arms, yeah. 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 yeah I, when I called over to find out how much that was, I said, I said that's it, $150. <laughs> well, yeah, and you don't even pay it to the state. You pay it to the, you pay it to the guard. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. That was, uh, that was before I came into everything, but I've seen the pictures and that was always really impressive to me. It's like, it was just pretty neat, you know, seeing our guys sitting at the official desks and yeah. handling our business in that room, uh, which, you know, I've had the pleasure to go over there and, uh, visit as a tourist and see those chambers. And it's just a, an amazing establishment. And then you think about all the history there as well, which is really, really neat. And then, you know, you throw in a little bit of the Masonic history that it was actually a brother that owned and donated that land for, uh, for the Capitol to be built there as well as where the Topeka Grand Lodge was. He owned that as well at one point. So really, really neat to think back that far. So we've worked through quite a bit of talking kind of pre-existing leadership strategies, uh, needing something official, going into the warden school that kind of morphing into what we knew as the Leadership Academy for years. And then this year, taking a little bit of a different approach, taking it back to the core, back to the basics with uh, the guild meeting. I know it's it's up to the Deputy Grandmaster and those plans aren't official yet, but in, in your opinions, how do you see the future going for leadership training in Kansas? Where do you, Where do you think it needs to go and where do you envision it going? Um, so I'll chime in. Um, you know, we, we do pay attention to the surveys. Uh, so all the surveys will be taken into account. As a matter of fact, we're going to uh, start that process this weekend. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, well, there was some question, you know, with uh, this, this the most recent uh, guild meeting. Uh, we change the name and we change the location. That's always... So it's always scary for somebody that's planning for that, right? Because you never know, you know, does that mean we're going to need mo more motel rooms? Does that mean we're going to need less motel rooms? Does that mean, you know, we're, we're working with a different caterer and different rules with the venue? Um, those are all kind of scary things when you're planning for it because <laughs> uh, one little one little mess up, <laughs> excuse me, one little mess up and things can go really bad. And we don't want we don't want somebody to have a bad experience with these things, right? We, we want it to be a positive experience all the way around. And, and I hope that's, I hope that's what we produced. That's what we aim for. And, and if there's somebody that doesn't have a good time or somebody that has a bad experience and we'd like to know about it, um, because if I don't know about it or we don't know about it, we can't fix it if we don't know about it. So. Great point. Great point. How about you, Yeah, I would just say, if you're going to do back to the basics, stick with it. Um, I know they had a little problem with the catering at this last one, which uh, took out some of the question and answer period, which I think would have been extremely valuable. Uh, you know, get. I think they were going to have a panel or something, and that would have been good. Um, you know, this one didn't have any breakouts with uh, particular sessions, and I know the breakouts. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Tracy, but they seem to be very popular and we draw a lot of people who have come just for some of those breakouts to get detailed information on like, uh, you know, the software, the, the old, um, 
our lodge page and that type of thing and things from the secretaries need and because they're they're leaders of the lodge too we've had breakouts in the past with the treasurers and we can get them to come and of course a lot of these treasurers are past masters uh, too and you know they can add a lot of wisdom because it's it's not just what grand lodge is putting out most of the wisdom comes from the conversations and the smaller you can get those groups that can talk to one another i think the more the more value your uh, each individual is going to pull out of it because then they can you know pick brains instead of just getting a, a single point of view that may or may not be relevant or right um this way you can get a, a bunch of ideas all going at one time and i think that's where the great uh, value to me was was in those breakout sessions. I mean, it, as long as we don't hurry them, and uh, you know we can do it deliberately, those I think were good. As well as the the big plenum sessions where you have the the guest speaker like we did this this time, and uh, those are also good. And they're a draw. You get somebody that's really, you know, a famous author like Alex Powers. There, uh, you know, that that's a draw, and it'd be great to have your session. By the way, was really good. Um, your historical session at the beginning. Oh, thank you so much for that. You know, I I totally forgot to even mention the breakout sessions, and those are uh, a huge point because that's always been a thing. It's, it's usually it's like uh, two or three different breakouts going on at a time at uh, Leadership Academy that I always remember. Um, and my only beef with those, they were great, but they always had two different sessions in ETH that I really wanted to be in. And since you know we hadn't really like done recording and stuff in the past, that was always like. Ah, which which, which one? one? <laughs> That's a di diabolical plan. You have to bring more people to cover everything. <laughs> it was all thought out. Exactly. We've got a good comment here uh, from the old fashioned Masonic pos uh, podcast again, pardon me, saying lodge officers do have to take ownership in their positions so or so they can, as we were told, improve ourselves in masonry. And that's that's a fantastic point. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, as a lodge officer, you should want to do that, right? Uh, because you're not only trying to improve your lodge, the brothers in the lodge, you're also trying to improve yourself. And, and if you follow those simple steps, right, uh, you, you can't fail, right? Because uh, I don't know, that's just the way masonry is designed, right? It, it's really a cool deal, right? And, you know, Rick, Rick alluded to it a little bit ago. You know, it's not about, uh, it's not all about going to the guild or the annual meeting and setting through the meetings. Sometimes we like the speaker. Sometimes we'd rather not be in there listening to the speakers. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, the real value in that is once you step out of that meeting into the hallway and you start having conversation with, other brothers, not from your lodge, from other lodges, maybe even from other states. Um, that's where the real value lies in those things where we gather together. I mean, it's just yeah. a, a good example, right? It's a grand lodge. I'm at the Grand Lodge of Iowa right now, and uh, it's not. It's not about the annual meeting and sitting in that meeting. It, it's about talking with brothers um, from across Iowa uh, at the banquets in the hallway, um, at the table, buying, uh, Masonic goods. Um, right. that's the value. You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, and it's interesting because one thing you always hear is when there's any issues, everyone likes to blame Grand Lodge. Oh, you know, you need to do this, need to do that. And whether it be from what I've heard of the warden school, what I've known of leadership Academy, what I just witnessed with the guild, these are fantastic programs, but us offering that to the individual does not impact or fix our lodges unless these brothers effectively take it back and implement the, the knowledge and the planning given here as a lodge. As a most worshipful Riker was talking about in the beginning, you know, Freemasonry is a lot different than many of these other organizations that we see around, and it's a lot more encompassing. And if we don't actually treat that as the organization it is, it can easily collapse upon itself. 
So just having one or two guys go and, you know, witness uh, leadership in this manner or that manner, or, you know, uh, some different trainings on this or that, if that doesn't effectively get brought back to the lodge, taught and implemented to the whole there, the lodge doesn't really change any, just the individual. And I think so many of our guys forget that, that we want you to come and have an amazing time and partake in, in Grand Lodge activities. But at the end of the day, Grand Lodge is only successful if our individual lodges are successful as well. So you've, you've got to take ownership and uh, really implement these factors back in your home lodges. And conversely, uh, as I've traveled around, I've seen lodges do, they have some things that they do amazingly well. And uh, plagiarism being the highest form of flattery or however that saying goes, I mean, that, that should be another thing we should do is when the area deputies or district deputies are out wandering around and they see some lodge that's doing something really fantastic, we ought to bottle that up and bring it to the Guild Leadership Academy, Warden School, whatever we call it next time, and uh, let let the other you know guys who have figured out the secret formula bring it and share it with everybody else because you know you mentioned that we we're we're not like other organizations that's exactly right you know what we are we're not an organization we're an organism and if you treat it more like that you realize that there's a lot more going on and you gotta you gotta keep it healthy and keep all the things going not just uh you know not single faceted anyway that's a that's great, a great way, way to put that for sure. We've got about nine minutes. That is, a, that is a great point. And that's probably going to end up as a question on the district deputies visit. Now. <laughs> Honestly, it should. It, it's it's a, a huge one to pick up on. And, and I, I really like the aspect of, you know, keeping that level of an eye on the lodges and then bringing that back. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what title you throw on any of us, right? Like, we're just brothers, you know, <laughs> so we're, we're all humans trying to make this masonry thing work and grow and excel and you know not just because it's grand lodge means that's where all the best ideas come from a lot of times it is just our local brothers figured it out and we can make it work so that that's a really really great idea you know we've got about what eight minutes here uh, until we do our end toast and one thing i'm thinking about is the future and not to end this on a bleak note, I'd like to turn it into a positive note, but an aspect of planning, because my fear is, and I, I think, you know, we're going to see some reality of this. Masonry has a lot of old buildings that are facing a lot of continuously rising taxes and costs and this and that. And over the next decade, two decades, we're going to see the face of masonry shift quite a bit as we continue to, you know, lose buildings to either that of just age or being priced out, et cetera. And that's going to change lodge structures, leadership aspects, whatever, uh, as masonry kind of confines and, and shifts around. As we look at that future coming to us, how do you think that will impact local lodge leadership and how can we think ahead to try to address that uh, i've got my own thoughts about it and that is uh you know and i've, I've heard it mentioned often says first my my philosophy is never fall in love in a bit never fall in love with a building it will not love you back and during the great heydays of Kansas masonry, when we had lots of masons and they had, you know, they're starting to get affluent. Uh, as they built all these great edifices throughout Kansas. And I'm telling you, some of these structures are just amazing. You go to some of these lodge buildings and they just have the most amazing, I mean, they're just great architectural pieces. But the masonry isn't the building masonry is the it's that organism that's inside that building or wherever it may be and you know just about every lodge i've been to has that thing about the lodge that meets over sims simkin's store you've seen that right so yeah, it's uh, beautiful. well the whole idea is, is that they started out in borrowed space and maybe that's where we might end up again you know where we're because it's it's really not the building it's it's the it's the folks that it's it's masonry we're uh 
you know, we're looking for a place to congregate so that we can share our, pass on our, our, our lore, our, uh, you know, the, through the degree work, pass on those moral lessons through the degree work, but uh, the place is immaterial as long as we can tile it and turn the keys over when we're done, that's, that's okay. Tracy? Yeah, I'll, I'll um, just reiterate what Rick says and, uh, you know, this, this, that phenomenon is not, Kansas doesn't have a lock on that, right? Um, here at the Grand Lodge of Iowa, they're, they're talking about the exact same thing that we talked about a couple of years ago. Uh, their Grand Lodge building is um, needing some repairs. Uh, they need to expand it. Uh, they've, they've got, unfortunately, nobody planned ahead 40, 50 years ago and uh, created an endowment back then. And so they're, they're basically stuck in the same position we were uh, for whatever, three, four or five years ago. And uh, so it's not unique to Kansas. Right. And, uh, you know, we see some of our lodges now they're they're selling their buildings and, uh, you know, finding other places to meet uh, more modest places uh, that are more affordable. Uh, and and look, I mean, you got to make the dollars and cents meet. Right. I mean, it's, it's got to come out in the positive. Right. You can't come out in the negative. Um, so, uh, those are tough and hard choices to make and yeah. Rick's right. We get attached to buildings and we shouldn't. Well, it's, it's, it's such a double-edged sword for, you know, guys in our, uh, in our era of masonry, right? Because if you think way back when it was the tavern days, those guys would probably look at masonry today and be like, why the hell do you have these buildings? I mean, they were meeting essentially in secret, right? Top storage room of a tavern, writing chalk on a floor and wiping it all away. And, you know, then came the membership and the money and we could build these beautiful things. And then today we get to experience that, but also we get to experience the edge of that where we watch it crumble. And, as much as we understand it, it doesn't make it less painful at the same time. So there's definitely that double-edged sword aspect. 100%, you know, yeah. masonry has to survive over the buildings by all means, but it still sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for one of our lodges to ask us if they, uh, if they sell their building, they can just meet out in the pasture. And, and you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> our, our early brothers met in high dales and low uh, low dales and what is it uh whatever it is they, they met out they met outdoors right and, yeah we've uh, got a a great picture of that from uh smithen lodge right when they uh, the high, original high hills, low dales. yeah so uh it, it could happen it could happen again uh but uh, i don't know masonry's not about the building it's about the brothers very, very true. Well, brothers, I want to thank you so much. We've we've had an excellent conversation this evening, kind of exploring uh, the history of before I came into masonry, what you guys got to see of leadership and where it kind of started as a structured point through what we know of it today and get a little bit of insight in where that might go in the future here in Kansas. And, you know, of course, with that goal of getting back to our lodges and helping masonry at its core uh, grow and flourish. As we lean towards the hour this evening, I want to ask, Most Worshipful Bloom, would you offer up a toast for us this evening? Sure. I should have been ready here. Dang, grain secretaries just. I know. <laughs> Brothers, I'm actually going to offer this toast to our host, Alex Powers. Uh oh. Who is who is promoting historical light, so that we can study our history, so that someday we don't repeat it. Thank you so much for that, brother. Thank you, both of you, for joining uh, joining in this evening, taking a little bit of your time out to spend your evening with us, especially Most Worshipful Bloom while you're on the job traveling. I've got to ask you, we see you in the hot seat 
every year as grand secretary uh, taking on these these big events and just always looking like you're on the edge of an aneurysm. How is it being in another jurisdiction and not being in that hot seat? Just getting to, you know, hang back a little bit. That's flipping great. <laughs> <laughs> You've deserved my, it. My uh, counterpart here, I mean, he's, he's kind of looking like I do at the annual meeting. So he'll he'll uh he'll be up here in my room here in a little bit and we'll have a libation and uh cuss and discuss some things so cuss and discuss i like it <laughs> yes we will <laughs> well thank you guys so much again i've learned a ton this evening uh it's it's really great to see kind of where that structure leadership started where it's came where it's going in the future and i know that kansas masonry is in good hands so thank both of you for all that you've done for kansas masonry and please thank your families and friends for letting us uh, bar you away for just a little bit this evening to to cover some of that unknown history. Uh, but really, really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, joining us live this evening. And until next time, keep preserving the history of Freemasonry. We'll see you all next time. Have a great night. Yeah.